Welcome to the Line Life Podcast, produced by Transmission and Distribution World and Utility Products. We're bringing you stories of the grit, courage, and inspirational teamwork that it takes to be a line worker. The September 2022 episode features interviews with employees of Duke Energy, which has won several awards for its support and employment of veterans. The company currently employs 2,000 military veterans, and this episode highlights interviews with Tyler Klemas and Troy Ross. After transitioning out of the Marines, Tyler worked as a police officer before joining Duke Energy as a senior business system specialist. Troy served in the U.S. Army and as a correctional officer. He's now a network specialist at Duke Energy, working the underground cables in St. Petersburg, Florida. Husky Tools has the most complete power utility solutions in the industry. For over 45 years, we've built the safest, toughest, most durable, and dependable high-performance utility lineman tools and equipment in the industry. Husky Tools, built for everything that's on the line. Check us out at huskytools.com. Hello and welcome to the Line Life Podcast. My name is Amy Fishbach and I am the field editor for Transmission and Distribution World Magazine. For our September 2022 episode, which is sponsored by Husky Tools, we are focusing on veterans in the line trade. I have the honor of highlighting two veterans who now work for Duke Energy. After serving in the military, they have both found rewarding careers in the electric utility industry. To begin, I'm talking with Tyler Clemens, Business Development Specialist for Duke Energy. In his role, he supports linemen and other employees out in the field, and also works with other veterans through the Together We Stand program. Tyler, thank you for joining us today for the Line Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Tyler, everyone has a different story on how and why they joined the military. What led you to the military and specifically the Marine Corps? When 9-11 happened back in 2001, I was in the 11th grade. My original plan at that time was to go to college and try to play some football, uh, but 9-11 kind of altered that course for me. Just due to how I felt about everything that happened during 9-11, I decided that instead I wanted to join the military. And with the knowledge that I would probably end up going to war, I wanted to join the quote unquote, the hardest branch. Obviously every branch has, you know, their own specialized units that are pretty tough within themselves, but just from an overall training perspective, basic training, et cetera, the Marines have the hardest and most stringent generalized infantry training. However, whenever I was going into the Marine Corps, I also applied for and was selected for security forces. And I was accepted a position into the presidential support duty program. I was first stationed at the Marine barracks and eighth and I Washington DC. Then later I was stationed at Camp David. And talk about what it was like being assigned to Camp David. And can you share a favorite story from that experience? Yeah, it was cool. You have to have a top secret security clearance in order to be there. So I can't tell you too much about what happened over there. But uh, one story that I, I do like to tell from Camp David is they built and opened a chow hall. And this place is small. It's in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, a, a new chow hall is <laughs> a pretty big deal. For the grand opening, I was selected for chow hall duty. Typically, it's a rotation. Everybody goes on chow hall duty for a week or two at a time. 
And the first day that the chow hall was open, I'm in there and I'm making eggs and omelets, French toast, pancakes for sailors and Marines. And in walks George Bush, uh, oh, wow. where George Bush doesn't typically eat at the chow hall. But it was the grand opening. He wanted to kind of help boost morale and stuff. So he came in for the grand opening for the chow hall. So he came up to me, asked me if I could make him an omelet. And I eat an omelet every single day for breakfast. I still do. It's literally the easiest thing to cook. It was probably like the longest four to seven minutes of my life trying not to mess this omelet up. (laughs) So I got done making the omelet. I gave it to him. He went and sat down, was kind of talking to the Marines and sailors that were eating. And after he was finished, he came up to me and told me that that was the best omelet that he had ever had. <laughs> and, you know, challenge coins are a big thing in the military. And he gave me a president of the United States from Camp David challenge coin, which I still have today. So I think that's kind of a interesting, funny story from Camp David that I like to tell. That is awesome. So where do you have your challenge coin? Do you have it in a special place? I do. In my kitchen, we have a little glass shelf area and I have a lot of coins, but I have my most prized coins there out of the reach of my two and three-year-old. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that one is his front and center. Yeah. And then after Camp David, you moved on to a few other assignments. I've heard that you were part of Operation Whalers, which is the longest completed foot patrol since Vietnam and Afghanistan. Can you talk about what it was like being part of that? Yeah, sure. So I left the presidential support duty in 2004. I was restationed to Marine Corps Base Hawaii in Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii. I reverted back to my original job, which was machine gunner. And in 2005, we deployed to Afghanistan, the two most memorable missions. From that deployment were operations, Red Wings and Whalers. Operation Red Wings was, if you've ever seen the movie, Lone Survivor with Mark Wahlberg. That is based off of a book written by Marcus Luttrell. At the time, it was the largest loss of life in any day during the war on terror. They were doing an operation for our unit, you know, being super secret, Navy SEAL guys. As it was happening, we were unaware, but we very soon found out what had happened. The follow-up mission for that was Operation Whalers, uh, which there is a book written about that. And yes, we did have the longest completed foot patrol since Vietnam, and it was an absolute nightmare, but we got through it. We got through it all right for the most part. Uh, and, and yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it was hot. It was very mountainous terrain and it was very difficult, but, but we made it back. And how long were you in Afghanistan for? So I was in Afghanistan for nine months from, I think, June of 05 until I believe February of 06. And we got back February of 06. I had sustained some injuries in Afghanistan. I had to have surgery. And then after my rehab and stuff was done like that, my four-year enlistment was up. I got out of the Marine Corps in 2007. And then in 2009, I got recalled back into the Marine Corps for another year and deployed to Iraq then. And talk a little bit about Iraq. What was it like to serve over there? As an infantry Marine, it was probably the best deployment you could ever be on. 
you know, Afghanistan and Iraq were night and day for me. Afghanistan was tough. You know, bad stuff happened over there. It was really hard. Iraq was, on the other hand, was a cakewalk. I was only there for about seven months. I only left the wire maybe five times. The base that we were on had a movie theater. It had a Taco Bell. It had a Pizza Hut. So that deployment itself wasn't horrible. Granted, when I got out of the Marine Corps in 2007, I was not planning on ever going back overseas. But since I had to, it went as good as it could have. And then, Tyler, what happened after your duty in Iraq? Then did you come back home and exit the Marines, or what happened? Right. So, I, yeah, I got out of the Marine Corps again in April of 2010. And then I ultimately decided to do what almost every single infantry Marine does when they get out of the Marine Corps is become a police officer. So I went to police academy, and in 2011, I became a police officer in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And I was a police officer there for just under eight years. I'm sure you can imagine, you know, I was working crazy hours. Uh, I would only have weekends off, you know, once every couple months. I got married and my wife got pregnant and that pretty much changed everything for me. And I decided it was time to leave the protection duties, whether it be for the country or the community, to somebody else. I felt like I had uh, done my time serving my community from that aspect and uh, try to start thinking about my family and what would be best for them. And then how did you learn about the job opportunities at Duke? So once I realized that I wanted to get out of law enforcement, try to get a more stable, regularly scheduled job to accommodate my new family, uh, I, you know, I just was going online, looking at the job boards, just like most people do. And I happened to have a mutual friend who worked at Duke Energy and I had known her for about seven years or so. And she was a good friend of mine. And I had always heard her talk very highly about Duke Energy. And so she had notified me that there were some positions coming up that she thought that I would be a fit for. She told me that if I decided to apply for any of those positions to put her down as a reference, which there was one position that came open and that I thought that I would enjoy. And so I applied for it and, you know, put her down as a reference and I was fortunate enough to get hired into Duke Energy. And I understand you work in the operations division. Can you describe your career today at Duke Energy and what a day in the life is like for you now? Yeah. So I work in customer delivery, which for us is the, the organization that goes out and provides power to the community you know, households and stuff like that. I work in the business transformation organization of customer delivery. And what I describe my job as is process improvement. And so we take the processes that linemen take and, and we work with supply chain on their supply chain stuff and, and, and how they do things and ultimately try to improve those and make those more efficient so that they can spend more time working, doing what they need to do uh, for the community and less time, you know, maybe doing paperwork or something like that. Sure. And then how did you get involved with recruiting military veterans? I've heard that you went around with a recruiter to certain events during your career. Sure. So I call it my secondary job. Uh, so I 
became the vice chair about maybe two and a half years ago of our employee resource group at Duke Energy. There's multiple employee resource groups at Duke Energy. One of them is for veterans. It's called Together We Stand, TWS. It's made up of veterans, family members of veterans, and just patriots. We do things in the community for veterans. We serve lunch monthly at homeless shelters and just get out in the community and kind of show our faces and, and try to help people out. One of our members at the time was the lead military and veteran recruiter for Duke Energy. And due to me going out into the community very frequently, I kind of became known a little bit in the community as somebody that worked for Duke that would help people and organize some events. So he would ask me to come along with him to recruiting events because he, he saw that I was able to build a good rapport with veterans whenever we were out and about. And so I would started going to recruiting events in the area to help and assist him. And then can you talk a little bit about having military veterans as linemen? Why do you think it's a career that is suitable for them and that they're often successful in? Yeah, I absolutely love this question. I, and I don't know if I've ever been asked this question before, but I'll tell it to anybody that'll listen to me. I was an infantry Marine and I translate infantry to Marine to alignment. I think that the skill set needed, I think that literally almost the same job, except one is, you know, has a different mission, but they go about things the same way. And every single other job in the military that's not infantry. And every single job at Duke Energy that's not lineman is somehow pointed towards making sure that the linemen or the infantrymen are able to do their jobs as the best way possible. Whether it's finance, whether it's engineering, whether it's different leadership positions, every job at Duke Energy, the sole purpose of that job is to be able to let the linemen go out and do their job as efficiently as possible. And I think that translates from the military. You know, every job in the military's essential role is to directly or indirectly support the infantry units. And so I think whenever I talk to veterans, whether they were infantry or not infantry, you know, there's somewhere in that puzzle that they will fit. And I think that the transition will be easier because of those similarities. Wonderful. And then Duke Energy recently won the Freedom Award. Can you talk about this honor and how you feel about Duke winning this award? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, Duke was awarded the Secretary of Defense Employer Support Freedom Award. It's the highest honor that the Department of Defense gives to companies for their outstanding support for employees who serve in the National Guard and Reserve. It's presented annually by the Secretary of Defense. Duke Energy was one of only 15 companies selected nationwide, and there were, I think, just over about 22 or 2,300 nominations. And there's numerous stories of Duke showing support for their National Guard soldiers and reservists. Like, whenever the press release came out, there were numerous Duke employees that were talking about the ways that Duke Energy supported them, to the point to where whenever... Some of these folks from Duke Energy were getting on a plane to go overseas. Duke Energy was coming and bringing line trucks to show their support with big American flag hanging off of it. You know, they didn't have to do That's that. Awesome. Yeah. But just putting forth that extra effort 
is just outstanding. And, I, and I've seen it firsthand. But also, aside from just the Freedom Award, I will also want to note that Duke Energy has also received a lot of other awards from the U.S. Department of Labor. We're a two-time recipient of the Higher Vets Gold Medallion Award. Last year, we went to the baseball stadium in Charlotte, and we were awarded the Veterans, or the AMBETS, Veteran-Friendly Employer of the Year, the Disabled American Veterans National Commander's Large Employee of the Year. And we also just recently increased the number of hours of annual leave with full pay for National Guard and Reserve members from 80 hours to 120 hours. How do you think that helps recruit some of these reservists when they see that they get paid military leave? Well, I think it all starts out with the recruiting. When somebody's out out there looking for a position, they may not do as much research as what I just said when it comes to the awards and stuff like that. I think that going to these recruiting events is extremely important to letting veterans and military members know what you're all about and getting the word out there. And I think that it is uh, imperative that we start letting them know, and then hopefully that word will spread. And so we can ultimately get to where everybody knows that Duke is a military-friendly employer. And you had mentioned earlier that a lot of veterans go into the police force. How do you think utilities can let them know that these opportunities are available for them in the line trade? Yeah, and I, I've said this. When I first got out of the military in, in 2010, I say if I would have if I would have even known about the line field, that could have been something that I would have pursued. And I think that, it, again, it goes back to the recruiting. It goes to the transition assistance program. We have in the Marine Corps, and we have similar programs in all the other branches that when military members are about to get out of the military, they typically spend anywhere from a week to a month uh, going through the transitional things that they need to be expecting. And they bring in companies to speak to these groups to try to recruit folks. And I think that the recruiting aspect is, again, very, very imperative. I feel like we need to go to these military bases. We need to let the veterans know. Hey, this is an option here because when I, when I was getting out of the Marine Corps as an infantryman, my mindset was, I don't have any, I was a machine gunner. There's not a whole lot of civilian jobs that translate to that. Uh, right. But knowing what I know now, I wish I would have known about the possibility of line work. So I think the education aspect for the folks that are about to get out of the military is imperative. And I, I think that's the ultimate way to get the word out there. And Tyler, let's talk a little bit about transition. I imagine transitioning from being in the military to being a civilian is probably a little bit challenging at times. I mean, what is your advice to veterans that are trying to make that jump from the Marines or another branch of the military to being a lineman? So... I would say make connections. I think that making connections is the absolute most important thing because, for instance, if somebody were to reach out to me that was about to get out of the military and says, I don't really know what to do or anything like that, I would let them know there are so many opportunities out there. We have recently partnered with 17 Community College within our Duke Energy footprint 
to help provide training for veterans. Uh, and, and a lot of folks, again, they may not know this. We try to put it out there as much as possible, but they may not know this. So making connections within the industry, look up people on LinkedIn that are in the industry that you may not even know, send them a friend request and, and ask them some questions, especially if they're a veteran, they're probably not going to ignore you. They're probably going to answer your questions. We have national programs like the Northeast Lyman Training School. But again, I go back to the community college partnerships that we have. That is something that Duke Energy is doing to try to get veterans training. They get finished with that training and they almost have a job waiting for them. And, and I think that when it comes to getting out of the military, education is important. And I think that making connections is right up there, even with them, if not more important. And then what are your tips for military veterans looking for a career in the utility industry? I would say if you're looking for a job in the energy industry, uh, you know, it's not just linemen. Again, you have finance, you have engineering, you have all these different things that can get you into the energy industry. I absolutely love the energy industry. Now, when it comes to if somebody gets hired, how to help them be more successful, uh, what I would suggest is if you're a veteran or if you're not even a veteran, but you support veterans or you love America, you know, join an ERG. There's numerous ERGs. Again, I'm the chair for the one in Charlotte and Whenever somebody gets hired, they're asked and they don't have to answer if they don't want to, if they're a veteran and, and they can put us in touch with that new hire. And from day one, they're going to have a support system that's made up of people from all across the company, from linemen to vice presidents. And so the support system there is absolutely phenomenal. And coming out of public service into the private sector, like I did, the ERG was absolutely amazing for helping me get my feet on the ground, standing up straight and doing what I needed to do, answering my questions, guiding me. And I still have folks within the ERG that check on me to ensure that I'm doing things good. And I've gotten to the point now to where I can start doing the same for folks that got hired after I did. And the ERG, is that, the, is that an employee resource group? Is that Together We Stand? Correct. Yes. Okay. No, that's great. Do you think a lot of other electric utilities have groups like this or is Duke pretty special in having something like this for veterans? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if other companies had similar things, but I can tell you this, you know, Duke energy puts so much effort into ensuring the veterans and the ERGs, all of the ERGs, not just the veterans ERG are able to go and make the differences in the community that they want to make. We are a support system within ourselves. We have monthly meetings where we're allowed to bring in heads of nonprofits and famous people that are veterans that have done all kinds of cool stuff. And we have those meetings and Duke Energy lets us a lot those times for people to take a step back from their day job to come and do stuff with the ERG. In October of this year, in 2022, we're bringing the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund, the wall that heals, the three-quarter replica of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall from Washington, D.C. is coming to Charlotte. And Duke right. Energy put us in a position to bring that wall here. And our ERG is completely in charge of everything that has to do with bringing that to Charlotte. And it's going to be at, you know, 10 to 20 to 50,000 visitors 
over the course of that week. It's going to be at the Charlotte Motor Speedway from October 18th through 23rd. Duke Energy has essentially handed us the reins to this operation. We expressed interest to the company that we thought that this would be good for veterans. We thought it would be good for the community. And Duke said, okay, do what you got to do and we'll take care of the rest. And you don't see that a lot. So I can sit here and say that Duke Energy has gone way above and beyond what I would expect from an employer to do for their veterans. And Tyler, do you have any other comments about veterans in the line trade and what opportunities exist for them? I would say if you're in the military, especially if you're infantry, I would say look at line work. Um, It's good money, good schedule, great company here at Duke Energy. We're in six states, so you have the ability to move around if you need to. We're in Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. We also have other solar renewable energy sites all across the country. But if you are looking to get into line work, uh, I would say Duke Energy is the place for it. I really wish I would have known about line work when I was getting out of the military because I thought my options were extremely limited, but they're not. There's a lot of different jobs at Duke Energy for any veteran that's getting out of the military, especially line work. Thank you so much for your time, Tyler. I really appreciate everything you've done for your country and also continuing to serve through Duke Energy. Thank you so much. Today, I'm honored to talk with Troy Ross, a Duke Energy Network Specialist out of St. Petersburg Operations Center. Troy is a member of Duke Energy's network crew and works on the underground lines. Troy, thank you for joining us today for the Line Life podcast. Thank you for having me. Troy, to begin, please describe your military service. When did you serve? What branch did you serve in in the military? And were you deployed overseas? I've served from 1988 to 1991. I signed up for three years, but I actually only did two years and nine months. I did my entire tour in Germany. My job in the military was a track mechanic, which is a 63 Yankee. And what did you do in that role, Troy? I pretty much worked on heavy wheel equipment and track equipment. I was born in East St. Louis, Illinois. One of the main reasons I wanted to go in the military was to ease the burden on my mother. I come mm-hmm. from a single mother, and I just wanted to get out the house and leave the financial burden on her. And didn't want to go to college. And one of the things that happens to a person when they do go to the military and he becomes self-sufficient, it's hard to get out and then be back relying on somebody like your parents. So most people who get out the military, they either go to get a job or go to school, usually one or the other. Describe what it was like for you to transition out of military service into a career in the civilian sector. It was kind of difficult because when I got out of the army, I didn't have a clue on what I was going to do. One of the things that helped me out was first thing that most people do when they get out of the military is go to the unemployment office and collect unemployment. You have to put in five applications a month to continue to get unemployment. 
But as far as having any upside help, finding a job, I had no direction whatsoever when I got out the army. And keep in mind, I was only 20 years old during that time. Yeah. No, that's incredibly difficult. And now they have something called the SkillBridge program where they help you within the 180 days before you exit the military. How do you think a program like that would have helped you during that time? Oh, it would have helped a lot. You know, it would have got rid of the uncertainty of what I would be doing once I got out. But yeah, that would have been a good program back then. Why do you think it's important for veterans to have a plan and a purpose when they're exiting the military? It would relieve a lot of stress because when you're about to get out the military, the number one thing on your mind is wondering, what are you going to do? How are you going to make a living? And I think the utility companies do offer a very good career, not just a job, but working for a utility company is a career. So, Troy, when you were 20 years old and you were just leaving the military, what job did you get then right away? Did you go into the utility industry or did you take on a different job? My first job out of the military was correction officer, and that was for the state of Illinois. And it was real similar to the military structure, being an officer and chain of command and, you know, starting at the bottom and working your way up. And the only reason why I was familiar with that job is because that's one of the jobs that I applied for at the unemployment office. And how did you like that, Troy, that job as a corrections officer? It, it was a pretty decent job as far as the pay, but it, it was not something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I didn't, never considered a type of job that I'd be retiring from. And then how did you find out about the careers in the line trade? Well, the thing that exposed me to the utility companies was my sister was working at the local utility company in the state of Illinois. So that's sort of like opened my eyes to it. And what kind of job was she doing, Troy, for the utility company? She was a college grad, so she was in management. I think she was manager in customer service. Perfect. And then when you got on board, what was your first job in the utility industry and where did you work? Well, when I first started working with the utility company, I worked as a meter reader. And the reason why it was meter reading because it was one of the easiest jobs to get into when going into the utility industry. Usually, uh, back when I first started working for the utility company back in 1999, that was normally the first job that most people get to get their foot in the doors metering because during that time they had a very high rollover rate. A lot of people start with metering, but eventually move to different positions in the company. So it was the most common job to get when you first apply for the utility company. And who were you a meter reader for? Well, the utility company I originally worked for was Georgia Power. And then now you work for Duke Energy. Talk about what a day in the life is like for you now as an underground specialist. 
Well, we usually start our day off with uh, receiving the job for the day. You know, just like in, in the military, you may have certain missions, but we usually start out by getting to work for the day. And it's usually come with what's suspected as far as a completion time and how long it should take to complete a job. You would go out and do the job and return back from work. And then what do you think are some differences and similarities in the culture of military service and working in the utility industry? The similarity with the military and the utility industry is the way that you all train. In the military, you know, it's a formal training on everything that we do, as well as taking what we know and working it in the field. Four different tasks in the military is a manual on pretty much every task there is. Same thing with the utility cup. They, it, it's always a manual on reference to go back to how to complete a job and a safe way of doing the job. And how do you think they're different? <laughs> well, the thing about with the military is pretty much cut and dry. When your superiors tell you to do something, you basically have to get it done. Sure. With, with the power company, they're a little more relaxed on their approach to people on how they demand things or different orders that they may give a worker. But in the military, usually things are not up for debate. Yeah, no, that's well said, Troy. I definitely can see that. It, it, it's, it's also a good thing because especially dealing with something like safety. You may see some that your supervisor may not see. And it's kind of good to question a lot of things that you may have to do from day to day. What are some qualities you think that veterans bring to the table that other civilian candidates may not to the line trade in particular? I think somebody from the military is probably one of the least difficult people to deal with. You know, I think that military people, they know how to lead and they know how to follow, which I think is both important because sometimes you may have to play a leader role and sometimes you may have to follow and take orders. Military people have a get-a-done attitude. Uh, whatever the job is, if it's an obstacle in the way of completing your job, they would work real hard to get that job done. I think veterans are less sensitive and how they approach their more no-nonsense. I think overall, right, they just have a, a, a very good attitude as far as working. And then Duke Energy currently employs more than 2,000 military veterans. Why do you think it's important to have military veterans in your field workforce at a utility? Well, I think that's a patriotic thing to do to help a military veteran find a job once they complete their service. A lot of times when people do get out the service, they, they really don't have a plan. But if you have a program, especially if you have something set up with the local unemployment office, uh, usually they have a representative that usually deal with nothing but veterans. If there's a program to help guide a person, to make that transition from the military, that, that would be a real good thing.
And a lot of people do look at the utility company as a great place to work. Yes, for sure. And then your company also offers paid military leave for employees. How do you think that can help attract military candidates? You know, not just veterans, but those that are still active duty, just allowing them to take time off to serve. Oh, very important. That is, that is very important. Because a lot of times people do get out of active duty and they still will re-enlist for the reserve. And a person really don't need to worry about if the job that they're going to pick will allow them to do their weekends or a week, a year to do their service. So if your job is supporting your decision with the military, it just makes everything easy and less stressful. And then how many opportunities do you think there are in line work for veterans? Yeah, especially now, I think that across the nation that utility workers are short staffed. So, yeah, I, I see a lot of veterans working for Duke Energy. I think that, that it will help out a lot if veterans know that there is an opportunity for them to come to the utility company at work. And if it's a program that they really working with the military, like, like really getting the word out that, hey, if you're interested, Duke have a job for you, or that any local utility company have jobs for veterans, I think it'll be great. A lot of people just don't know the opportunities with some jobs in the area. And it used to be with utility companies, you had to know somebody sure, to get in. But if Duke Energy approached reserve officers or let the military know once the people done with their commitment time, I think that you would have a lot of people apply for jobs at the utility company. Troy, thank you so much for taking out time to talk to us for the Lion Life podcast. And thank you for serving your country and now serving in the line trade. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. This episode of the Lion Life podcast is written and recorded by Amy Fishbach. It was produced by Jeff Postelate. For more information, check out the Veterans in the Line Trade story in the 2022 Lineman Supplement published by TND World. To listen to our past episodes, please visit our podcast page at www.tdworld.com backslash podcasts or anchor.fm backslash podcasts. You can also send us a voice memo or email with your comments on this episode to linelifepodcast at gmail.com. Please follow this show to be updated when new episodes are released and leave a review for us on Apple Podcast. Head to the show description and see where you can find us on social media. Thanks for listening. Husky Tools has the widest selection of lineman tools and equipment across every essential utility category. We feature the largest assortment of hydraulic cutting and compression tools powered by the industry's most popular battery platforms. Husky Tools, lineman proven and utility approved since 1976. See us at huskytools.com. Mention this podcast and we'll throw you a new Husky shirt.